This episode of the Matt Brown Show is powered by the Sports Podium Initial Coin Offering in Token Sale. Matt Brown, Matt Brown, Matt Brown. This is the Matt Brown Show. This is the Matt, Matt Brown, Brown Show. Matt Brown, Matt Brown, Matt Brown Show. Hey guys, so raising money for your startup or business can be challenging at the best of times. Historically, your options for funding involved the three Fs or friends, family, and fools, angel investors, potentially a loan from a bank, and of course, your VC capitalists. Now today, however, there is a new option on the table, ICOs or initial coin offerings, or what is otherwise referred to as token sales or crowd sales. Now, initial coin offerings have raised over a billion dollars for early stage startups in the past year. Many of you would have been following the Vinnie Lingham story of using ICOs to raise money for his startup, Civic. And the main thing here is that they've done this fundraising in blinding speed. For example, Status.im, a browsing messaging app, raised $100 million in under three hours. Brave, a browser startup launched by the former Mozilla CEO Brendan Eich, raised $35 million in under 30 seconds. This is unheard of. So an ICO provides an unregulated means of fundraising for new cryptocurrency ventures, where developers essentially sell a percentage of a previously and publicly available cryptocurrency to early backers of their project in exchange for real currency or other cryptocurrencies. In this episode, I chat to Robert Marshall and Yako Rousseau of the South African startup Sports Podium about their upcoming initial coin offering to launch their own cryptocurrency-backed startup. Now, this is the first documented ICO of a South African startup on a podcast, thankfully the Matt Brown Show, so I'm extremely proud to have had the time with the guys and to bring you the story of the Sports Podium token sale. So without further ado, enter Rob and Yako. Hey guys, welcome back to the Matt Brown Show. I'm in a very unique location here with uh, Yako and Rob. Uh, I'm looking at a whole bunch of uh, wine bottles. Uh, are you guys drinking at this time in the morning? Not yet, Matt. Uh, we might be drinking pretty soon, though. Yeah, we're having some coffees at this point in time. <laughs> well, especially if you get your tokens where you want them to be, right? Absolutely. Okay, cool. So why don't we set the context here, um, apart from the fact that we're in a wine cellar? <laughs> so we're here today to talk about Sports Podium. This is a new startup that you're looking to take to market. We can talk about the difference between the initial coin offering and a token sale in a bit. Fundamentally, they're the same things, right? So you guys have a token sale that's coming up. But I want to give our listeners a little bit more of the backstory about how you guys actually got to this point. So how did you guys actually meet? Because Rob, obviously building software companies, you were saying before we were on air that you, know, you had 150 people working for one of your software companies, you built and sold them. Yako, you're an architect. That's right? correct, yes. Yeah, it's actually a very interesting story. Um, I've been in IT most of my life since 1995. Went through various organizations, ended up in the UK, worked for the Royal Air Force, um, doing some software development for them, which was a very interesting um, side of things. Then returned to South Africa to do what not a lot of people have done in their lives, um, and that was to start a television channel. As a result of people being in the UK, there's a, a, a massive crowd of South Africans in the UK, and we saw an opportunity to, to, to create a television channel at that stage. So we actually started the first South African television channel that broadcasted outside the borders of South Africa. At the end, it, um, we moved on from that back into IT. And through various organizations, I ended up actually working for a company called Telacrity. And you just mentioned that Rob sold the IT company and it was actually the, the company that I worked for. So I met Rob while working for him. Wow, okay, cool. <laughs> All right, Rob, you want to add that in there? Or yeah, in there? No, I think that's a, you know, I met Yaku while at Alacrity. He did some SharePoint work for us. He started our SharePoint competency. Yaku is quite a good technical guy. I really respect his technical ability, but he's also a good sales guy. And it's really important. And quite anything. a good technical guy, not a very well, good Well, one. yeah, quite, I know very good technical <laughs> guys. He's a quite a good technical guy, but he knows what I mean. Fully, uh, <laughs> uh, fully. Okay, so why does Sports Podium matter? So we know that the market cap globally is a trillion dollar industry, right? What are you guys trying to change or disrupt through the process of what you're doing here? Yako, I think you should start with where 
sports podium originated, way back when you were still at school? Yes. Um, so when I returned from the UK, I met a, a, an old friend of mine. Now, I've always been a sports lover. And I spoke to this guy and I said, look, he, during the time, the 12 years that we were at school, he had provincial colors in five sporting disciplines 14 times. So for me, it was a no-brainer after school that he would have made it in some other sport. When I met with him, we had a few beers, have a chat, and he never made it. Um, he never became a Springbok or a provincial star in any of those sporting disciplines. And the main reason for that was, unfortunately, he lived in a small little town. He didn't have the exposure to be seen and be picked up into the sporting industry. And it just didn't make sense to me. Why? I mean, he's a brilliant sporting guy. So we... That's my nature. I always go back to information technology or IT. And I thought that we can fix this by creating a platform to get people that is not that well known in the small little towns, give them exposure, create a way for people to be seen by using technology. And that's when we started way back a technology platform where we gave people the opportunity to get themselves exposed by building a CV of the history in the sporting industry. And that's where the whole thing started, way back. So we went through a few iterations of the software. And from a software perspective, we actually solved the way that we identified talent by using historic stats. And then I took it to Rob and had a chat. And he sent me into the boardroom to go and speak to some of his people. And yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, that's where we, um, the whole My Rugby, rugby CV came from. It was one of those moments, Matt, uh, and we, we had a lot of people coming to us. Uh, Alacrity was quite a big business by then, and we obviously had a lot of guys that could take ideas, come to us the whole time, they would pitch for us. That's my passion, it's product development and, and IT solutions, not so much the software development uh, business. It's very lucrative, but it's a bit boring. Uh, we did very well, but we were very corporate so we had most of the big financial companies in, in South Africa as clients, and Yaka came with this idea, and we spoke me through it, and he had the, the slide deck, and uh, showed me all the beautiful pictures that he draws, and uh, I, I think it took me about five minutes, and I went, uh, being a sports person myself, that's great. And I think the key things is, sports is not as a level playing field as people think it is and that struck me right away is the ethos of the project and, and what he was trying to achieve but at that point we were going through the process of selling malacrity uh, it was very corporate focused buyers wouldn't be interested in this kind of project uh, and when I sold out of malacrity Yako and I decided now's the time to build the software and that's what he mentioned when we started building the actual software so essentially what you're trying to do is afford more sporting opportunities right for people who have talent but are previously disadvantaged in many ways simply because of the inaccess to either institutions effectively correct me if I'm wrong here but but it's like fundamentally it's about diverting the money flows back to the poor so that there's a more level playing field to use a sporting term right it's two aspects I think you mentioned both aspects there the one is money and the other one is opportunity sports became a, a worldwide business there's always been a lot of money in sport but sports become professional in the late 80s early 90s uh, so it's not as old. The professionalism, the level of professionalism in business sport is not as old as we think. It's a couple of decades old. It's just exasperated, the haves and the have-nots. And it's not about wealth only. If you are in the right school or you're in the right uh, university or you know the right people. If you have the right surname. You have the right surname, family. Uh, you've got a very good chance of making it. Uh, even if you're only moderately talented, you could still make a career out of sport. But many people, like the person he mentioned, sits there all over the world. We use Marcel Kutsia, the Supreme Rugby player, as a good example. He was only discovered when he was 21 years old. And if you now go to the South Coast and speak to people that saw Marcel play as a 12-year-old, 15-year-old, they always said, yes, that guy is an amazing player. Yet he didn't feature for the Sharks, he didn't feature for the Springboks, until he played a club game and all of a sudden they went, wow, let's, let's put him into the Shark system. So by leveling the playing field, we're making it more broad-based and, and bring a little bit less subjectivity into, into it. Sport's very hierarchical. That's where the money flows come in. It's very hierarchical. At the end, there's some guy at the top that decides where the money goes. And he's got a few guys, and these are elected administrators. They are mini-gods um, in the sporting world. And they decide whether you get elected or not, regardless of times and of, of performance. I suppose speaking of the Springbok rugby team, it's kind of like you have a selector panel. Yeah. Right? So you're trying to democratize 
the selector panel into an online community or platform yeah, that effectively much. then, based on a number of factors or variables, would build reputation for a specific person with a specific skill set. So in other words, if the guy's fantastic at rugby, he has a greater opportunity at succeeding because he has been using the Sports Podium platform and through the community-driven reputation that you guys are creating on the platform, he will therefore have a greater chance to succeed as a professional sportsman. Yeah, at least being seen will at least provide exposure to those athletes that have the ability based on factual information in the history of his sporting career. I've always said that, while we're speaking about rugby, if you are in, um, let's say you're a 13-year-old or a 15-year-old rugby player, and you would like to compare yourself against the current Springboks when they were 15 years old. How do you do that? That information is nowhere available. And one of the things that, we, that we're doing is we're building one of the largest sporting databases with information that is captured on a real-time basis. So people are used to using the mobile devices to check notifications and things like that. So we're giving them the opportunity to record the information but in a central database or a central place, but it is a distributed database. So that is where the blockchain comes in. I think the blockchain solves a lot of issues that the technology set of the blockchain by bringing consensus into the whole equation. If you capture information, Rob always says that there's various levels of information. When you capture information and say, I scored a try or I did a specific fitness test and that was my, my result, that information is there, but it's not verified. And through using blockchain technology and specific algorithms, we can now get the information verified by reaching consensus. And that's what's making it so beautiful. So we can actually have verified information. So the process of capturing information is one of the biggest things that that builds current information back. Because how do you get the information? And how do you know the information is true? Just on on that, just interesting, this morning I was just playing. I, I used to be a reasonably good athlete back in the 80s <laughs> let's not go there um, definitely back not now anymore I can run to the fridge I think that's what I can do but I, I know what my times were my best times and I thought well let me go and see if I can find any information on the times I ran you know my I wasn't a national level athlete but my best result was fourth in SA Champs surely there's got to be a record of that somewhere and nowhere on Google can I find any information about me running I've got newspaper clippings and some photos but I don't have any information or stats available. And that makes it very, very difficult, you know, uh, the information, the lacking information, uh, basic stats like how many registered swimmers are there in the, uh, per country in the world, you can't find that. Little bits and pieces and then you have to build it up. But that information is not available. And then you've got to ask yourself the question is if the, the federations don't have that information and that's not available, what else, what, what are they doing? I mean, how are they making decisions? On what pools are they making decisions? So the level of information available is virtually zero in many areas. Big money sports, rugby and soccer, there's more information available. Cricket, Cricket Info and those sites has got a lot of information available. But the, the verification of, of information um, you know, is, is very difficult and the collecting of information. I mean, rugby unions in South Africa, which is one of, one of the biggest rugby can, uh, countries in the world, still using faxes to get results through from, from top high schools playing. Is that a true thing? <laughs> it's a true thing. Yeah. It's a true thing. I, I want to add to what Rob's saying there about the database like Greek Info. The stats that's available is for the people that's already made it. It's information about the national teams uh, or the provincial teams, professional sporting stars, but nothing at the lower level than that. You cannot find information um, to that level. So the information is there after you've already made it. We want to change that. So we're here today to talk about your token sale or your initial coin offering, depending on what type of level you want to use here, but they're fundamentally the same things, right? So why have you decided to do what's really buzzy out there right now? I mean, you've got Civic and Vinnie Lingham raising millions of dollars. You've got, I think it, the latest stat I saw was something like $300 million, maybe even more than that's been was, raised um, through ICOs. Yeah, Tezos just raised $232 million um, last month. Close to a billion this year. It's close to a billion. A billion dollars, yeah. yeah. See, that's how fast that this yeah. whole space is changing, right? And what ICOs fundamentally do is they give you new ways of funding your businesses, right? So, exactly. so if entrepreneurs listening out here now, this is a, such a valuable conversation because it's the first time I've actually had the opportunity to speak to two entrepreneurs who are actually going through a token sale so that they can fund their business. So what are some of the 
fundamental differences between traditional funding of a business versus what you guys are doing through a token sale? So firstly, I've gone through rounds of VC. I've asked for VC funding. I have been involved on the other side of the desk you with know, people coming, bitching to me. In South Africa, our VC ecosystem is virtually non-existent. So we've got a lot of bright technical people in South Africa and in Africa. In fact, if you go to Nairobi, I think their VC ecosystem is a lot more vibrant, especially the startup and seed capital stage. Most traditional VCs in the tech world are growth funders. They want to see track records, and they will fund based on track records. They take exorbitant parts of the businesses. And I've always had a problem with people taking a big part of an entrepreneur's business just because they're putting money up. Understand the control issues and so on. In the ICO, we just call it a token sale, uh, the Securities Exchange Commission and, and various governments around the world, is ears prop up when you say uh, ICO. It's, it's essentially a fundraising drive for a project, and it's been very much the Wild West in the last three, four years in the crypto world. There's been many scams. There's been many ICOs that's gone out there where people that had essentially great ideas but did not have teams to execute. It's maturing very, very fast. You made the point about, Yako always says, the point about the speed of change. Yako says a day in the crypto world is like a week, a week like a month, and a month like a year. It changes that fast. I think the, the key about why we want to do an ICO, we need funds to run this project to take it to market. We believe in the project and the best way to do it is put it out there, have people see it. And the wonderful thing about the crypto world is it's quite tough if you don't like criticism, but being in business, I know that you need to invite criticism and then have the wisdom to understand what is good criticism and bad criticism. But you get a lot of that in the crypto world. So you have to go out there and if you do a token sale, you have to be out there showing your wares, your thinking and your team. And you get a lot of that value back. Plus, you get a lot of value back in terms of, obviously, funding for the project. Yeah, to your point, I mean, the VC, I speak to entrepreneurs all the time, and this point that you've landed, Rob, has come up on more than one occasion, that the VC industry here is almost non-existent, or another way nicely to say it is that it's not where it should be. So if that's the case, then if you have other avenues to effectively fund your play or your startup, then why wouldn't you do it? And I think the global, because everything we're talking about is fundamentally global, right? So... When you look globally around the world, there's precedence. And while some may say, well, like Simon Dingle, when I did the live podcasts about the cryptocurrencies and blockchain, Bitcoin, future of money thing, he was like, yeah, these ICOs, they're kind of like the Wild West and this and that. And I was like, shit, that's actually quite funny because I'm actually, this is something that I'm trying to think through for Matt Brown Media as a channel. And he was joking with me, but he was like, yeah, those dodgy Matt coins, blah, blah, blah. But I think what he was saying wasn't untrue because there's a lot of skepticism about this kind of way of raising funding for your business. What would you say to someone that's listening to us right now that is skeptical about ICOs in general, but has money to spend or capital to invest into exciting opportunities like Sports Podium, for example? People invest in people. Not in ideas necessarily, but in people. The first question that I think any good investor will ask is, who are the people I'm dealing with? What are their backgrounds? And can they make this work? Okay, there's no guarantee, but people will look at that first and foremost. Then they will look at the pitch and the plan that you have. And, and I think where the ICO world is now, is or the token sale world, Michael will kick me if I say ICO, he's, he's promised that, is, is very simple that... Initially, a lot of technology people were involved in the crypto world. With Bitcoin starting up, these were techies that had fun, sat there, and wow, we got this coin thing, let's trade it. And they didn't know much about business, they did not know much about, and I'm generalizing here, but they didn't know much about investment. But that, that drove the initial hype. They made lots of money on Bitcoin. They sat there and they saw the great projects and they thought, well, technically that sounds like a great project. I'm going to throw some money at it because I like the tech and I like the tech guys involved in it. We've had some comments on our, on our, our white paper around you know, tech spend versus marketing spend. And I think that is where the, the maturity levels are changing now. People are starting to look at a whole holistic business plan, not just a tech white paper that we're putting out there. So make sure that you think through your business plan you think through the revenue generating opportunities and you think with a mind of returns to your investors. People that buy your tokens are your investors. It's very different from the buy to own a mindset. You buy into a company and then you own part of the company, the typical stocks and shares. But essentially people, they, these are a stakeholder group for you. They buy your tokens because they want to return. And as you tell them, hey guys, for the hell of it, I don't know, just give me some money. Uh, you know, there are some ICOs out there that's done that. But then people say that up front. As an investor, everything in the crypto world is the same as everything in the real world. 
Take your time, read, engage with, with the stakeholders. There's many channels. We are on three, four uh, different platforms where we speak to people. You're welcome to ask us any questions. Poke around, see, find out about people, find out the bad stuff. In the end, I think there's a lot more visibility of, of the people and what's being done in, in many of these token sales than there is in uh, guys going around with a slide deck trying to get 5 or $6 million from an investor. So there's a great opportunity, but you have to apply normal business rules, normal business logic. Uh, be careful of the hype, you know, and if you, especially if you're a big investor. For the smaller guys, $2,000, $5,000, throw it in something. And say, Why not? If you can lose the money, great, play around. You know, it's, it's, there's a lot of opportunity out there. You know, a lot of guys are differentiating. Differentiation is once again a big thing. Here you can buy into five different ICOs, different kind of purchase and, and back that one will win at a, at a big multiple and so there's a lot of opportunity investing in ICOs and I think for the entrepreneurs and for the investors both there's, there's a, it's a very good matchmaking um, ecosystem Hey guys, so in this episode, we're about to dive into the technicalities of how an ICO works, but I need to give you some context here. Starting an ICO is not unlike starting a crowdfunding venture. Entrepreneurs and startups that want to launch an ICO typically create a company, build their startup to an early stage, announce their plan to launch a token sale, and then publish a white paper about what they intend to create, how they intend to do it, and how much money they need to make it happen. Then they launch their new cryptocurrency via a service like CoinList or Waves, which promises you your blockchain token in one minute. Then you simply launch your initial coin offering. So it helps, just like in crowdfunding on Kickstarter or Indiegogo, if early investors get a good deal. Now that provides an incentive for early adopters who then generate momentum for a larger number of investors to follow. So with that being said, let's get back to the show. Cool. So there's going to be, I can tell you this for, for sure, but from uh, feedback from my live cryptocurrency event, there's a lot of people uh, who I met after the event were saying we didn't quite really, we felt the conversation was at a like level 10 and I'm at a level 5. So in the, ter- in the context of a token sale, what a token represents fundamentally is essentially a share. Is that fair to say? Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there, I know being an entrepreneur can be a very lonely experience. You sometimes get stuck, don't you? Well, if you're like me, being stuck sucks. But what if you could access the minds of over 850 CEOs who have built companies generating billions of dollars in revenue and access all of that knowledge in a fraction of a second? Well, the good news is you can literally do that today. What my team have built is Matt Brown AI. It is trained on all the interviews, over 850 of them that I've done to date, all my books, all the knowledge capital that has been generated over the last 10 years right here on the Matt Brown Show. And you can get access to all of that right now for free. So how do you get access to this? Well, head on over to mattbrownshow.com and at the top you'll see community. Hit that link, sign up, it's absolutely free and you'll be given instant access to Matt Brown AI and a community of over 100,000 subscribers. Yeah, the share of the platform and the platform and the usage of the of the coin. Historically, people bought shares in companies. You are now buying a share of the future value of the token. So if you buy some tokens, it all depends on if the value is in demand. And that is what we, are, what we stand for. We are not in the token sale to make money out of the token sale. Every business takes time to mature that the people must adopt the system, the people must use the system, and we're targeting the whole sporting industry globally, so we want people to start using the system. That is what we need the token sale for, to give longevity to the project and get adoption. We've got very specific ways that we're targeting the sporting industry through ambassadors across the world per sporting discipline, as well as friends in each country, friends to the ambassador. That is one of the ways that we're gonna bring the people to the system and to use the system. That is very important to us, that people actually use the platform that we're providing to them for free. Matt, if I can just say, so just going back to the comment about buying a part of the business. I think business is changing. Firstly, business is becoming a lot flatter. You don't have those huge hierarchies. Business are becoming more transparent, driven by my both government and just by demand and, and society and the way society changes. What's beautiful in the token world is there's no shareholder meetings. No, you're not going to have a shared certificate. You're going to have a digital 
token that's got value associated to it. That's how you make money. So you're buying a share and it's like buying gold or buying shares in a big corporate. Even if you're buying $10 million worth of money in Google, you're not going to appoint directors. You're not going to tell them how to run their business. You're doing that because you've done a, made an investment decision, looked at the story. You are sure there's going to be more demand than supply of those shares in the future. So if guys do share splits, values go down because all of a sudden there's more shares and the same part of value. And I think with tokens, it's the same thing. You're buying an asset. And yes, you if you buy enough of them, you could have some say in, in how things operate. But it's less of the VC mindset of buying, hey, I want 40% or 60% of your business. And typical VCs will go for 40, 55, 60%. You are just buying tokens. But you do have an influence. We use advisors, which are known people in the industry, to, and they are part of the security. You know, ICOs or token sales use these guys as known people in the industry. In the end, you want to make sure that the tokens that you buy has got a good chance of multiplying in value. So it's the normal multiples you want to earn. You want to buy low, you want to sell high. And that's essentially what you're buying in a token sale such as ours. We are saying to the, the, the world out there, we've got a great idea. There's our idea. We've got a great team. There's our team. We need some funds to make all of that happen. We'll give you tokens in exchange of your funds and we will drive the price of those tokens up because we're going to create great demand and a great story around those tokens and that's why you need to buy low and a token sell typically you do go lower and hopefully in six to two months to a year or two there's multiples of five or ten you know much more in, in many currencies but typically that's why guys get involved this podcast was recorded composed for and mixed by audio militia leaders in composition final mix and sound design for more info visit audiomilitia.com Okay, can we talk about the, the nuts and bolts here? And I think for me, I think that if you guys are listening and you're interested to find out more about the actual strategy behind the Sports Podium business, my suggestion would be to go to sportspodium.io and download the white paper. So generally as part of any token sale or ICO, there's a white paper that effectively um, communicates what the strategy of the business is going to be. How does the, um, effectively the funds are going to be spent? What's the strategy, et cetera, et cetera, from a marketing perspective? So if you haven't done that, go and check it out and get the white paper. So having said that, when is this ICO going to happen? We are provisionally, gonna, what's the date? Okay, provisionally, it was the 1st of September. We've had some of our advisors ask us to consider moving it. In the last week, we've had a, a bit of debate around that, mainly because of the some of the attention being drawn with the Bitcoin fork and the conversations around that. So our provisional date is now middle September but no later than the 1st of October. We'll run for a month, and the two dates we will finalize in the next 24 to 48 hours, and will be updated in our white paper and on our site, will either be 15th September or 1st of October. Okay, cool. So let's stop and fast forward. It's now the 1st of October, right? What do we do once we've now read the white paper, we're like, shit, this is actually a really amazing thing or, or a journey that we want to be involved in. Uh, what happens step by step from a funding perspective? So let's say that I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a business owner, and I want to go and buy some of your tokens. What's the process that I'm going to go through along with everybody else when you effectively flip the switch for the token sale? So firstly, saying it's now the 1st of October scares the hell out of me because there's so much to do before you get there. Yeah, it's, it's very simple. We will not take fiat money. So you will have to either get Steam tokens, you need to get Bitcoin or Ethereum crypto tokens. Those are the three tokens that we'll use. Yeah, Steam or Steam dollars. Um, Steam dollars, yeah. too. So you have to have a wallet, like, yep. like Luno, for, for instance, yep. right? Um, you'd need to own some form of Bitcoin. It doesn't need to be one Bitcoin or one Ether. You can own a fraction of that. Yes. But if you wanted to effectively then divert that money into your funding vehicle, then that's your point of departure. Yes. So you're not able to use rand, cents, dollars, or pounds. You have to own some yeah, form of we're cryptocurrency. We're not taking an investment. We're exchanging tokens for tokens. So if you go to the website, sportspodium.io, you'll find there's a countdown timer. When we hit the date of to go live, there will be an option where you can um, select the button to say transfer Bitcoin or Ethereum or Steam or Steam dollars. You will register on the website because we need a track record of all to, to adhere to all the, to, to actually uh, uh, give you your coins in turn. We are using the ERC20 standard, which is a Ethereum protocol that is used by most, if not all, token sales at the moment. It's a proven platform that is used. 
So what you're buying is you're buying then for your Bitcoin or, or any of the currencies that we accept, the cryptos, a specific amount of pods, which will then be allocated. Sorry, pods is the name of your token That's that you're buying, yes. right? Okay. From, from Sportsparium, we, we came up with the name pods. And you also get pod bits, which is the fraction of the pod crypto. You will then do a normal transfer from your Bitcoin wallet into the Sportsparium token sale wallet. And for that, we are taking then a snapshot of the time, value of the Bitcoin or the Ethereum, whatever token you're transferring, and you are allocated your share of pods. We then go through the process of developing the blockchain side of the things on our side. At the end of the token sale, we'll communicate with you. And when the actual blockchain goes live on the trading side of things, because we're going to, we are speaking to various exchanges at the moment to list our coin. And then you will claim your coins, which means that it will be transferred into your pot wallet on our blockchain. And that's as actually as easy as it is. Yeah. Okay. So very simply, if I had one Ether, which based on current value would be $300, I would have that stored in my wallet, right? So that could be Luno as a wallet or any other kind of mobile wallet for cryptocurrencies. Yeah. You then flip the switch, I go onto your website, and then I effectively transfer my one Ether or at the equivalent fiat value of $300, to you guys in terms of your ERC20 compliant effectively I suppose it's a wallet on the Ethereum network 100%. Right? which you will then store that's correct for, yeah. for a period of time up until the point that you've built your blockchain yes that's correct or effectively the infrastructure that you need at that point now remembering I own 2000 pods yeah okay or um, this yeah. effectively is your, the yeah. name of your token right which is, which is then locked on the Ethereum blockchain at that point in time yeah. so there's a full track record and auto trail cool so, and you. that's 100% secure it's trustless immutable yeah try to test it many right. times Okay, great. And then you'd spend a few months building your blockchain, at which point you'll reach out to me, Matt Brown, and you'll say, dude, our system is now ready. You can effectively transfer the value of those 2,000 pods to, or effectively 2,000 pods to your platform, and then off you go. Yes, 100%. Right? Hopefully it won't take months. We want the people <laughs> to get their pods as soon as they can. Yeah. That'll be the priority. The first moment that we've got the token, we'll be start building our priority will be to issue the tokens to the investors of the it, bitcoins. As little as dark, possible dark time. So we've got Slack groups, we've got the Telegram group, we will communicate to the community the whole time. Obviously there's questions and answers. So it's open community conversations we'll have to make sure people are aware of where we are and how we progress and get there. And as Yaku say, you know, for us, the, the biggest point in the ICO is a specific step in, in the project. This to raise the initial funding. As you rightly say, we will then start building a blockchain but the quicker we can get people to physically hold pods and be able to trade it, the better for everyone involved. So that is our first priority after the ICO is finished, is to get that out. Got it. And how much are you hoping to raise in this process? We've capped the token sale at $50 million. One five. One five. We've had lots of debate about that. But the reason we're capping at one five is that is what we need to successfully launch and run this project. We don't believe in an open-ended. I think more startups fail because of too much funding than that fail because of too little funding. Too little funding is really hard, but too much funding, funding I believe, make you lazy. It's just lessons learned and that I've seen through my life. I think you know that's, that's a very good discipline to have. Once again, going back to our earlier conversation around investors, investors want to see that. They want to see that you care about them and their money, that you're not just taking as much as you can. Okay, and what, let's say now I've got these 2,000 pods, right, or tokens, what can I do with them? Initially, you can trade them, uh, Matt, yeah, it's, it's like any other token, you can trade them, but in the sports podium ecosystem, we are building a goods and services ecosystem, so you're going to be able to, to use this to buy a cricket bat, to buy swimming caps, to fund trips for, for players overseas. That is the intent over, over a period of time. Obviously, big brands, our idea is to get brands in, names, big big sports athletes, and they get followed by a lot of sponsorship and advertising money. And once again, that will be, pods will be used to pay for that advertising and sponsorship on the platform, thereby creating demand for the currency. People will earn that currency and we'll give them ways to spend it in the sporting sporting ecosystem. For me, what's very important is, I've got small children. They have different seasons of sports throughout the year. And it becomes expensive, man. If you need to buy, this month you buy a cricket bat, next month you buy a rugby ball, the week after that you buy swimming caps. We want to incentivize sports people by rewarding them with our tokens. Again, assisting us to build a large database and the reward for providing us the information 
is a token. Those tokens can then be spent in online stores to buy your cricket bat this month and your tux next week and the swimming cap the month following that. So it's very important for us to be able to create that good and service industry. Very important as well is that we don't want as Sports Podium to build and own everything on the platform. We want community members to build the shops. I want somebody in India, I want somebody in the US, I want somebody in, the, in Britain to build a shop to locally distribute the sporting equipment by accepting pots. Okay, but it will be a shop on Sports Podium, essentially, a, a, right? A shop on Sports Podium, we, we provide the More of a mall. And in fact, I think shop may be not really a shop. Yeah. How do you to create a mall where you've got, you've got shop owners in, in, in the local areas? That's so right. if I manufacture cricket bats in Polikane in South Africa or in Bangladesh, I want to be able to sell my wares there and I want to have a place to trade so we'll create the mall we'll create the people that will we'll walk through the, the mall we'll but, provide the platform yeah but you will still be the guy that does the actual shop selling you will just use our platform okay and how are you going to I just want to quickly go just one step back around the people who participate as soon as you flip the switch because I think there's a point around incentives that we didn't touch on and incentives for anything that's platform driven and you're looking at it in the context of adoption incentives is very very important right so going back to users versus the investment side of the coin here if I'm an investor and I'm going to give you one ether or 100,000 ethers or whatever <laughs> I decide is appropriate for me in terms of my investment philosophy or based on the play on the table, what incentives are you using or offering them as part of your token sale? The investors? Yes. Specifically. So let's just take a, maybe a step back. We are essentially gathering a lot of information about sports people that it's valuable in its own right. And we create an ecosystem that distributes value fairly to both the sports world and that brings people. That's the intent. So when you've got a community like that, there's many ways to monetize it. And one of the key things we're going to do is we are going to monetize it with normal money flows. You know, certain things have not changed since man started trading the first time. You've got goods or services. You want to be able to promote those goods and services so people can see and know about it. And then we're able to sell it. And that's what we're going to be doing in this space. And that will create demand for the token. Now, as an investor, you're buying this token at 20 cents to the dollar or 10 cents to the dollar. And what you want to see is growth in that. $2 or $5. And the way you get growth on it is managing demand or creating demand for it. And one of the biggest problems I think some of these projects have had is they just keep creating tokens and people think it's valuable from the short to, to medium term and therefore it is valuable but in the long term it becomes inflationary and then confidence falls because they're not successfully creating demand. So it's the demand creation that's, that's really, really important for us. The community, one of our biggest problems when we started initially and we spoke about the project in the starting days is we did not know how to reward the community. Because as much as this is a great story and we can do great things, pre-cryptocurrency, one of our biggest conversations is how do we distribute the money that flows in here and how do you reward people for putting the information in? So the pot emissions, the daily pot emissions and the token distribution is to get the users to be active on the platform and therefore create the activity that's going to create the demand that will give return to the investors. Okay, but is there an incentive for investors to say if you hit certain, because if you get $5 million, there's a incentive bonus essentially? Absolutely, absolutely. Right. So, so we want to raise $15 million. We believe we can very easily run this project at $500,000 from a technology perspective, but we cannot build the community and, and we'll have to find. So we started $500,000 as an absolute minimum for us. Essentially, we're looking at $5 million. and the first $5 million, we've incentivized people by giving them bonus pods. So you pay a, uh, for a pod and you get bonus pods for that. And then at $10 million, you get a bit of a lower level of bonus. And then the last $5 million, you get a third tranche of lower level of bonus. Okay, cool. And then just going back to the user side of things, right? So imagine I'm a, an aspiring sports person or what have you. If I land on your platform, what do I have to do in order to participate? Is it free for me to use? 100%. So, like any other system, you'll register on the mobile or a website, and we are we will ask you some specific questions um, on information that we that you can provide us. Every sport has different type of questions that we'll ask for, from you. And are we looking at distributing the loyalty tokens? Is there's a few things the blockchain will create a daily reward pool based on certain criteria. That reward pool will then be split between the participants of the system 
and you'll be allocated your percentage of the daily distribution based on specific criteria. There's many criteria, but the two most important ones that I want to mention is clean information and clean data is very important in this environment. Clean, verified data, to be honest. So what you'll do, the normal thing that you go to your training, um, you go to your practice and all those kind of things, we will ask you questions about that. You will provide some information. And the more diligently you get the information, so if you give me information every day on a diligent basis, you will build a reputation of a very diligent person, which I think is very important to incentivize people on. The second one that is just as important is to give me accurate information. And obviously there's ways to test accuracy, which we'll then use. And what you want to do within the system when using the system is you want to build a good reputation. Reputation is king in our system. Reputation will be difficult to earn, but very easy to lose. And there's ways for us through specific algorithms that's been tried and tested that we can actually see the, the, the information. So you'll be rewarded based on your information that you provide. Okay, cool. Because obviously reputation is very important in this whole thing, right? Very so, much. And trust. Yes. You know, are you, FXV, are you the athlete that you say you are, I guess, is the kind of question that you can answer through the platform. 100%. And the more that you prove that you are the athlete that you are, the more that you'll get rewarded effectively 100%. with your smart tokens, right? That's correct. And the more people you bring in around you, let's say, for example, you're in a rugby team. The more people of the rugby team you bring to the table that uses the system, the more information we've got to test the accuracy of the information provided. So we want to incentivize people to bring the players that plays with them. We want to incentivize them to bring the whole club. We want to incentivize them to bring the whole region. I want the whole country. The more people that participate in the system, the more accurately we can measure and the more reward you will receive. And let's say I had 4,337 pods, right? That is literally the same as having cash, right? Because I could effectively spend that in the real world, I guess. Is that true? Well, yeah. Initially, you'll be able to transfer it into a bank account via normal exchange. And the exchanges that, that will, will be able to exchange pods. You'll be able to spend it on in our ecosystem. But if you want to take it outside of that, we, we, we don't will. Get and we are speaking to, to guys that's got wallets. You find Bitcoin has got quite a few out there as well that can spend it in any vendor or any uh, place in the world where people accept that currency. You could exchange it for Bitcoin. You can exchange it for any currency that people accept and then spend that as well. So there will be various ways to spend it. You know, initially there will be an uptake cycle. And the, the key focal areas we will have is to have ways within the ecosystem to spend it. One day I would love to see the US Olympic team buy their tickets with pods okay. at the airport. Cool, obviously marketing is very important, right? So now that you've launched the thing and let's assume that you've raised $15 million, just on that, you guys are confident, right? And a scale of one to 10, you're gonna hit that target? Very confident. It's amazing. And look, we've had some really good input from people where they've helped us write. We've got a very strong team. We've got a top sports PR guy that's been around and understands the sports world. We've got Natty Detoy, the Paralympic multiple gold medalist, Olympic swimmer, a very well-known person inside out of the pool and outside the pool. I've spoken all over the world, representative of, sports representative on SASCOC, which is the local sporting body. And that team has got a very good understanding of the various aspects of what will make this successful. We'll obviously augment the team after the ICO. This is just the founder members of the team. We've got a very, very strong technologist on. Peter is our CTO and key lead, and that's really, really important for our project. This is a technology project in the end. But you speak about marketing. This is all going to be about marketing. I have spent many years in the technology business. I have made that mistake and I have the scars of building great software and thinking people will come and it just doesn't happen and I don't know why but it's such great software every issue just it's a no-brainer idea it's all about marketing and we've got a very specific strategy around our marketing a very big part of our funds raised will go to the marketing effort but marketing budgets you know 10 million is very little for a marketing budget if you want to start advertising in the Olympics and, and stuff like that and so that's not our strategy is to, to put the big billboards up in Times Square we are going to use what we call ambassadors we are, in a way, mimicking the Laureus Sports Awards, where they've got ambassadors, which are per sporting code, top guys in the world that talk about what this is. They use their social media and their networks, and below them will have, on a country-per-country country basis, local sporting people in that code that will form a network. And these are the people that, that's going to drive usage. Remember, we're, trying to, we're not trying to get the, the, the national swimming team or the national soccer team. We're trying to get the 12, 15, 16-year-olds 
We're trying to get people that are aspiring sports people. And what we're going to do is by using the power of these bigger names, and it doesn't have to be Usain Bolt, it could be a Mo Farah or it could be a, a lesser known person, but still known. But in that world, youngsters will look up at that person and go, well, if they think this is a great idea, let me go in there. And kids today love social media. Everybody's used to social media. On my phone, it's very easy, boom, done. So we're going to use that and draw those people into the platform. Every single real-world sports person, whether it's in administration, whether it is a sports person staff in coaching, has loved the concept, loved the idea, to a point where we've got a little bit worried that maybe we're not inviting enough criticism in. But they love what we are trying to do in that. And I think we're going to build a lot on that. There is a very, very big need in the sports world to disrupt. A lot of athletes, you speak to athletes, they earn surprisingly little of the money they make. Top 1% gets a lot of money. A lot of the big names retire really relatively poor for what they've achieved. And I think the time is really, really ripe to disrupt that. And a lot of the sports people we're speaking to are very willing to get involved in a project like this. You know, the comments we get, and, and we know this, you know, people, the perception is you want to get to Olympic athletes, it's going to cost you millions for them to back a project like that. But with the kind of disruption we're trying to achieve, I think there's, there's a lot of guys ready for it. And our marketing budget has to be solid. The tech project, we know, we've done many projects. We've, I've built a life on building software for people. Um, we are very confident that we can take this project to market with the funding that we have. It's the marketing budgets that we're really going to have to sweat. Just to add to the ambassadors and the friends, I spoke earlier about the reward pool. So the reward pool will not only be split between the different athletes that's involved. We will also reward the ambassadors and friends to help us build this community. Nobody can work for free. So that's important to us to reward them as well. So there's various areas or categories of people that will be rewarded through the daily reward pool. Okay, and just a couple more questions for you guys. The first one is, when you look back at this whole process that you've been through, I imagine that you're still in the middle of a very steep learning curve, right? Yes or no? Oh, well, oh yes. <laughs> so, and I mean, like, I'm toying with the idea of alternative funding vehicles, which I think is a savvy way of looking at funding a startup, especially with that's got a tech yep. a infrastructure and a global sure. opportunity. So when you look back at this journey that you've been on over the last sort of six months to a year, what's the, or maybe we'll start with you, Rob, but uh, what's the single biggest lesson that, or insight that you'd want to share with a, an entrepreneur who's looking to fund his business in alternative ways and he's thinking about an ICO, he's reading in the media about Vinnie Lingham and Civic and so on and so forth. What is your single biggest lesson that you want to share with him at, or her at this time? Wow, uh, Matt, yeah, so firstly, we are very early on in this, in this project still. Uh, we might have been in it for six months, but our ICO you know, is only coming up. So we'll see how good we've been. This is a very true moment when you say, okay, now give me money and people either give it to you or they don't. I think for me, the biggest challenge was having to let go of a lot of things that I've learned about being a businessman outside of the ICO world. People think a little bit differently in this world. and You are dealing with people that has got slightly different backgrounds from the normal VC kind of people that you would meet or business people you can meet. Um, and the biggest single challenge for me has been the manner of engagement, the complete openness and frankness that, that people have to have. A lot Very, of technology. A lot of technology. Yako laughs at me often with you know, seeing me on some new format. You know, I had to learn Telegram and learn Slack and, and learn the way to engage there. Look, a lot of these concepts are, are normal, but it, it, the way you apply them and the way you use them is, is very, very different from what I've had before. The openness, is, I think the biggest thing that drives me is you really have to share and you have to mean to share. You've got to, you can't fake it. So you've got to be 100% transparent. You've got to be 100%. Transparent. And Yako, what's, what have you learned in this process with your technical <laughs> architecture hat on? I've learned that technology can change the world. Um, I've always knew it. Um, I've always been solving business problems. But the blockchain technology set is now giving us ways to solve problems in the world as a whole. There's a lot of broken things that can, as a result of the blockchain technology, be um, accepted. I believe we are all a result of our histories, and that's just become true. We've been working on the platform, the statistics, the talent identification platform for many years. And when the blockchain technology came, came to the fourth, we found a way to solve the two issues that we had, and that was how to incentivize users, with what do you incentivize people to give you information, and then to build the database in a distributed way, at a distributed ledger. It's beautiful. The way that the consensus and all those kind of things is worked out. This platform was made for the blockchain. 
And last question for you guys. What's in it for you two? I mean, why are you doing this? Hey, we just love sport, man. <laughs> oh, definitely. We're big sport lovers. Seriously. Both of us. Um, that's, that's our main point of conversation most of our lives. Yeah, Matt, it's definitely a love of sports, love of business. I love business. I love business people. I love ideas. Um, but mostly, I like disrupting the status quo when the status quo is not quite working. And I think that's the ethos where a lot of this is coming from as, as an industry is things aren't quite working the way they should. I think there's too much centralized control. People are starting to get fed up with being told or manipulated into positions. We just want to bring fairness back. And for me, I've always hated the schoolyard bully. I've always hated people, you know, the underdog, is, I was always rooted for them. I think it's time that we bring some fairness back. And, yeah. you know, our catchphrase being leveling the playing exactly field. Exactly what I wanted to say now. <laughs> we want to level the playing yeah. field. Yeah. Guys, wishing you all the very best for your ICO. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens and I'll be following your, your journey very closely. For you guys who are interested to learn more and actually just to go through what an ICO process might look like, here you've got the context, you know the why, the what and the how, but now it comes down to execution where the rubber hits the road. Go to sportspodium.io, download the white paper and stick around for the next few weeks. It's going to be an exciting uh, time for you guys and for us following. Awesome, if you, if you guys want to speak directly to us, please join us on Telegram. We've got a group there, Sports Podium Public. Anybody's welcome, please join us. Ask us questions directly there. Yeah. Good luck, guys. All the best. Thank you, Matt. Thanks Thank you very much, Matt. Cheers, man. Hey, guys. So for more information on the Sports Podium token sale, please visit sportspodium.io and download the white paper. Everything you need to know about how sports podium will make money and exactly how the ICO will work when they flip the switch and make the ICO available for investment is available in that white paper. This is an exciting time for entrepreneurs in South Africa and especially from a funding perspective. So pay close attention to this ICO as it progresses through the month of October. The Matt Brown Show. This is the Matt Brown Show. Matt Brown Show. Ever wanted to become a best-selling author? Well, I'm in the influence business and I work with business owners and CEOs and business leaders to help them scale their influence. And we do this as a team by helping you to become a best-selling author, sought-after speaker and industry influencer in only 30 days. My team and I have developed a system that delivers a best-selling book and a launch campaign 300% faster and 50% less cost than anyone else in North America. This system is incredibly efficient. One of my clients Haiku went from a 2% share of voice globally to an 11% share of voice globally in only seven days. If you'd like more information, head on over to showworksmedia.com for more. That is showworks with an X.com.